For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Biggest signing day in a number of years for Nebraska football. Hello, everybody. Sam McEwen along with Evan Bland and Tom Chattel for the Pick 6 podcast. Post-signing day edition, Dylan Rayola, the five-star in. Really good class of offensive linemen. Pretty good class of cornerbacks, too. This is uh, this was a fun one uh, for Husker football. Evan was in Iowa yesterday talking to Grant Bricks. Tom was down at the press conference uh, listening to Matt Rule. Uh, I was at Donovan Jones and also the rule. And, uh, you know, we, we had a fun time yesterday. It was a long day. Um, it felt like long, even though the press conference was early. Uh, gentlemen, this was a signing day to remember, right? It was fun. It was a long day. Uh, you know, Logan's uh, Logan, Iowa is 90 miles from Lincoln. And, and so it was fun going out there and, Presser was earlier than it typically has been over the years, right? I mean, usually those are two in the afternoon, somewhere in that range, and right. so that thing in the early in the in the early portion of the day, pretty good signing day for Nebraska in terms of signing day decisions and flips and things of that nature. And really, the only uh, I suppose damper to the day from from some perspectives would be Chubba Purdy going into the transfer portal, but. Uh, pretty much as ideal of a signing day as Nebraska could ask for. We'll get to that in a minute, Tom. When you when you thought about you know just just the I mean you you've covered a lot of these. Obviously, they all start to bleed together, but this one felt like it stood out a little bit just because of Dylan Rayola. Yeah, they they don't have the, those that kind of guy. Um, you know, uh, sign up every year. He doesn't show up every year. Um, especially at that level. Um, I guess there was Marlon Lucky uh, one year with Callahan and, and um, but that was a whole different uh, sort of a whole different feel and program. That program was all about recruiting. That's why Steve Peterson did what he did. And, and uh, you know, um, the, 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 the total embrace of the uh, recruiting culture the stars and all that stuff. So it, it felt like that was sort of a new normal. This is like, okay, we're about development, but here's this superstar player. And it, but I was just struck by how it, 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 it he didn't make it about recruiting and he didn't even make it about Dylan Rayola. Uh, Rule made it about everybody. I mean, the whole press conference was about, he mentioned everybody. It was like an Oscar speech. It yeah. was like he talked about every, I'd like to thank the, I, 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 he mentioned a hotel in Lincoln. I, I looked it up to see where it was. He mentioned like two restaurants. I mean, what do you, how do you get away with just two restaurants? You got to mention everybody, don't you? So right. it was, um, it was, it was funny to see, uh, but, but that's rule. And he's going to take care of everybody. Um, Mentioned all these players. First guy I mentioned, uh, I was talking to 
Eric Olson of the AP last night at the basketball game, and we were talking about and um, and we, we both covered the '90s, and I said, "Yeah, the first guy he mentioned was Abdul Muhammad." I thought that that was interesting, but Abdul's doing a, a lot of good work in Omaha, uh, North Omaha, Omaha Central, and and um, he's 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 really connected in with a lot of young men, and and um, so they've got these former Huskers that are you know Steve Warren. Uh, these guys are are trying to help, and um, the news is that Rule and his staff are asking for their help, and um, so it's 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 the whole dynamic is is interesting. It's it's he's created this not only culture, but sort of a family thing going on here, and he's the you know the 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 Papa Walton of the family, and he's going to take care of mentioning everybody and make sure everybody's involved. And you know Daniel Kalen, we love this guy, and you know we he's gonna he's gonna be good, and and it just goes on down the line, and it's just you know it was a sort of a celebration day about Dylan Rayola, but it turned into the Nebraska program day, the the culture, the development, and so on and so forth. So that struck me as you know no matter what happens here, Rule is going to make sure that that gets taken care of. That's a good thought. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think he does a really good job of trying to incorporate the whole story. Oftentimes on signing day, the thing that we focus on are the flips. And Evan, Nebraska had three yesterday. All for well, they had two flips, and then they had um a, a kid, Amari Sanders, who picked Nebraska on signing day. I, you know, I I thought he was gonna do that a long time ago, but he didn't do it. Um, so it was notable in that regard, wasn't it? That, that, that they get these three kids from Miami and we weren't even paying much attention to Miami and all of a sudden they get, you know, I think five total players from that city. Yeah, it's something it's, uh, I mean, essentially they matched what they pulled out of Texas. And I don't know that we would have, you know, six months ago, probably said that would be the case that Miami or, or South Florida would be as much of a, of a target area for the staff as Texas. And I think, uh, you know, Philip Simpson, the, the, the former high school coach out there who was a player under rule, uh, was a big part of that. Evan Cooper, who was down there briefly, uh, in like the six months that he wasn't part of rule staff in the last decade, he had, he built some connections. So those guys did some work out there and maybe it says something about the quality of this class that like the fact that, and, and I think Larry Tarver and Vincent Shavers could be good players for Nebraska, maybe sooner than later, but like it, it does say something, I think about the class that like, that wasn't the focus of the day that that wasn't sort of what everyone was rejoicing about. There was still the glow, sort of the afterglow of, uh, of the Dylan Riola commitment. I think it was just, there, there's a depth to this class. And I keep thinking Sam back to something rule said before the season about how they don't want to outsource winning to young players and outside of Riola, I think, I think he's the exception, but like, I think you look at the rest of this class and like very few of these guys are, are, are people that you would point to, to say Nebraska needs them to come through right away. Like most of these guys, I think I agree. have the luxury to develop behind the scenes for a year or two, maybe Carter Nelson bursts onto the scene, um, you know, or, or Keelan Smith, we don't know, but like, it just, this doesn't feel, it feels different from a lot of past cycles in that, Nebraska is not pinning its hopes and dreams for its immediate future on some of these young guys. And I think that's the the sign of a program that's healthy. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think that's a good point. Yeah, 
Uh, I would agree. Uh, they had to get a bunch of guys back in their own portal, as they called it, but they did that. Um, I think they're a little they're a little thin at linebacker, um, but that's what the transfer portal is there for, right? Like if they have to go out and get a player, they can still do that, um, whether it's in January or it's in May or June. You don't have to rely on young guys until uh, until they're ready. And the one guy they signed yesterday from the transfer portal is Bly Hill, and that is one of the more interesting stories that that I've seen in in some time. Uh, you know, the their one transfer is Saint. Francis, Pennsylvania, which is in the Allegheny Mountains, and it's a school of 2,000. It's on a hill, and the town is about 1,000. And so they bust all their games, most of their games. And this kid ended up there because he was so small in high school, he just didn't get a bunch of offers. And then he, he grows, and now all of a sudden he has a chance to, to play to play at Nebraska. I mean, he he could be the number four corner on this team next year. He might even be the number three corner um, because at this point there's, there's only a certitude there. Let's get into Dylan Rayola, obviously. Um, you know what, Tom, what jumps out to you about just about his story uh, and maybe, and maybe the, the amount of uh, attention and pressure that are going to be on him almost immediately. Well, I've, I've, I've seen a read a couple of times that he's coming home and I, I don't believe he, he, that, Rayola's ever ever lived in Nebraska, so I don't. He he didn't grow up here, um, but but he might have grown up in Nebraska football, just in his house. <laughs> so I think that's this is, this is an interesting angle for me. I I I, uh, I know Dominic Rayola. I haven't spoken to him in a long time, but um, uh, I've seen him on the golf course a few times, um, and uh, he's he's <laughs> it's in a long way. Um, but I, I covered him and, um, I just remember my image of him is, uh, that a guy that didn't say much, but when he talked, everybody listened. Right. Um, uh, you know, he, he, he always had something good to say and, um, very soft-spoken for, uh, you know, so, a, a, a sort of a gentle giant type of guy, but not very gentle on the field, um. I just remember the the '99 Texas game with they they gave it away down in Austin. Uh, there was a fumble and they, they ended up losing. And uh, he's coming, you know, you, to get to the locker room, you have to walk downstairs right by the edge of the stands. And so the the team's walking down the stairs to the locker room, and uh, the fans, the Texas fans, are giving him hell and yelling at him, and. Uh, Dom was giving it to him back, and he's like he's going to go after him. He was so mad and furious. There's just so much passion in in this guy, and you know he was his whole game was passion. Um, and uh, I just see, you know, obviously he had a passion for Nebraska, and I just wonder, you know, as as I've I've tried to pay attention to the story, and, and as as a dad myself, I you know I try to stay out of the way. I don't want to tell my 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 daughters, you know, where to go to school, or you know, I want them to make their own choices. And right. um, as I figure, I think that's what he's done with uh, Dylan. And so, but I just wonder how much of the Nebraska, his passion for Nebraska, um, and and the teammates he maybe stayed in touch with over the years. Uh, you know, does he wear a Nebraska shirt? Is there a Nebraska jersey on the wall? 
how much of that maybe rubbed off on Dylan? Um, because he sounded like he, I believe this was the interview you, uh, you, you got with, with Dom, uh, Sam, and he, it sounded like Dylan came to him and said, I, I, I need to come back. I need to, I need to, you know, and, um, I really do think it was about, okay, you can go to Georgia and there's all, all these riches and, uh, you know, riches of players and talent everywhere. And you're just sort of another guy. Uh, the Georgia quarterbacks don't really stand out. And maybe right. not that he wanted to stand out, but I think he wanted to make a bigger difference somewhere. And And maybe for him, what better place to do that than here? I think that was exactly it. Yeah, I had a good conversation with Dom uh, last night. Uh, it was, you know, uh, I think everything that you just said, you know, they, they've grown up in a house that had a lot of Nebraska stuff. Uh, you know, when the Nebraska football was on, it was on the TV, Nebraska volleyball, Nebraska basketball. It's a Nebraska family. Um, Dominic told me that that the younger son, Dayton, is a huge Nebraska fan. Like he just he just grew up loving everything nebraska uh i don't know that dylan was quite that um but but the dayton kind of was and uh what's interesting about the story and this will be in a sunday story is that dylan and dayton actually were having conversations on their sort of their daily rides to school they drive to you know dylan drive to school and dayton would go with him and it was actually <clears throat> dayton who texted dominic and said i think dylan might want to go to nebraska and so I think Dylan was a little skittish about about doing about telling, you know, people telling his parents. Uh, but but, you know, they figured it out and, and you know, they wanted to make sure he really meant that. And and so there then they make the you know, they make the visit uh, last week. I don't think there's a whole bunch of coincidence. I mean, you know, I think Kyle McCord saw the writing on the wall, knew that he would have to beat out a five star player. And maybe wanted to go somewhere where he knew he was going to be guaranteed the job. I don't think Nebraska made an offer either. Uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, I think Nebraska passed. Rule kind of said that yesterday. And, you know, Dylan Rayla just brings so much to the table as a player. Uh, his arm talent is real. He can throw the football. Uh, he's mobile. He's not a runner, per se. Like, he's not uh, Lamar Jackson. But he can he can get around. And he can scramble. And, uh He's going to be a very dynamic player in the program. They got to protect him, all those things. And uh, he's got to have a backup. And, you know, and he's going to battle Heinrich Harburg for the starting job. Let's just let's just call it what it is. Deborah Purdy is gone. He left like that. I think he would have left anyway if Kyle McCord had come. Um, but he's yeah. gone. And so it's a, it's you, a three-man room. Do you guys, do you guys think that um... – they're they're trying to find somebody right now to come in and and be uh, if not a mentor at least somebody to kind of start the season. I mean, do you think they want to start the year with Dylan, uh, season opener, uh, get under the you know I, I, I take the first snap or would they prefer again? I use the, the Tommy Frazier analogy, analogy the of the. Um, you know, he he they they had Mike Grant start the '92 season, and by by game six, Tommy was ready to go, um, and and so he he they they brought him in on on the road. It was his first start, but do you think they're trying to 
were they trying to maybe talk Kyle McCord into doing that? Would 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 they try to talk Chuba into doing that? And maybe they just didn't want to do that. Um, or, or do you think they'll just be fine with throwing him out there? I think they wanted to move on from Kyle McCord. So yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't okay. think I don't think they wanted him. Yeah, and, and Rule kind of said that yesterday. Um, yeah, it's not necessarily what I would do, but of course I'm not a coach. Uh, but yeah, I think they moved on as far as Chuba. Yeah, I'm sure they I'm sure they wanted Chuba back. Um, and that that's just not that's obviously not the cards. He's going to go into the portal. So maybe they knew that going into the press conference yesterday. I mean, we kind of asked him point blank: Are there anybody? Is there anybody else leaving? And he didn't mention Chuba. The way that he spoke about it to me would would say that he did not see that coming. I mean, he right. went out of his way to talk about how Chuba and Heinrich had earned the right to compete and 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 move forward in that way. And like I personally, I thought Chuba was in a decent position. I mean, you, you're talking about being in a room with two true freshmen, uh, Heinrich Harburg, who you know maybe isn't best suited for the offense that they want to run right. next year. He's a guy who'd been in college for four years. So like, and and the fact of college football is you're probably going to play, even if you're the backup. Nebraska's experienced that for many years now. So I, you know, I don't know what better situation he's going to have in the, at the power level. Maybe he'll, he'll go more group of five and, and maybe playing time ultimately is what he's looking for. But uh, it just felt like there was some stability there. Second year in a system, he, he by all accounts, enjoyed his time here. Um and and instead he's graduating and moving on. So I I think it was a little bit of a surprise. And and from from what Rule said, my opinion is he didn't see it coming. Yeah, well he's got, apparently he's going to Boise. That's that's the that's the well, the one thing I've I've, I've looked at next year and, and you know not every quarter not every freshman has to redshirt. Not every freshman quarterback has to sit out a year. Um, right. and so uh, I'm not saying Dylan is one way or the other. But I look at the schedule next year, and the first six games are maybe not friendly, but certainly friendlier than they had this year, and friendlier than the last six, the second six games. So, um, if you want them to sit for six games, and then you're going to throw them up in there against USC and UCLA and and uh, at Ohio State, and these kind of you know, these kind of games are at the back end. So. Um, you know, maybe, and I, I don't know what he would do, and a lot of that would have to do with the offensive line and the and the receivers and things around him, who's calling the plays, uh, how he's developed as a quarterback, who the quarterback coach is. But the, the the first six games may not be the worst idea to, to get him out there either. I agree. Hmm. I think the biggest question for him to answer is going to be, well, for Nebraska to answer is how much are they willing to run him? I again, you you have to you have to make a decision and commit to it, and you you know, and, and that commitment is hard because you get in a football game, and you know it's fourteen ten, you're up on UTEP, early third quarter. Do you run a quarterback? Like this happens all the time, you know. And we we watched uh, a first a half of Adrian Martinez at Illinois, not run. Right. I remember that in 2021, they tried and then they got behind and then they ran and then they ran him for the rest of the year. Like they did the same thing with Harvard. Um, it's like you just can't resist it. And, uh, you know, 
Guys yeah. turn the ball over and they get hurt. And so are they gonna are they gonna stick to hey, we're we're gonna let this kid run around and do what he does as a passer, but we are not gonna run him on six quarterback powers today. You know, I I don't know. Well, center field, the play caller will be under the spotlight big time. Mm-hmm. Um when you when you present the man with a five star quarterback, um everything everything uh I get it's magnified. So um you know, the same throwing, you know, the same throwing guys out there that that haven't necessarily played or you know, you have to hold their hand necessarily. I mean, you'll certainly he's gonna have to be running, you know, at, at a certain pace, but I mean this will be <laughs> you know, and I don't know who's calling the plays yet. We don't – there may be some – Don't know that. Very yeah. true. Well, I, and- it's the one question he didn't want to answer yesterday, and I don't blame him for that. Right. I don't know that they have that plan all the way set in place. But we don't know that. That's right. Didn't you think it was interesting, too? I mean, he mentioned multiple times uh, San Francisco and the 49ers and their style of offense. And, like, uh, Brock Purdy doesn't run a lot in that offense, right? I mean, that's yeah. – they're, he, he's a facilitator and that's what he's good at and and lets the the skill guys do what they do and they're positionless and so I would I mean is Raiola that hasn't been his game to run anyway and so if if that's not his game and if they want to be a, a 49ers style attack with the Carter Nelsons of the world and and other positionless players like I don't see how that would necessarily be something that you'd be tempted to do um but maybe maybe they would i, I just think his you, you don't win games doing it that's why but your situation they so don't win different. games that's the problem it's hard to do but maybe they maybe he has the talent to win games other ways maybe he's 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 a better passer than harburg and adrian were like his talent yeah. he's different in that way right well that's i mean that's what I was struck by, and what what I wrote for for today was the forty nine er angle was we haven't heard that. It's the first we've heard of this. Um, they haven't really given us any kind of a specific identity. The offense really had no identity because they didn't. They had all these different guys who were hurt, and they had to they had to patch up holes and all this stuff. Um, now we have a direction. Now we have a okay. Here we go. And so, you know, my question is, 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 is this rule? It sounds like rule. He's really bought into this. Is this also Satterfield's idea? And is he bought into it? And it is, is, is the play calling going to follow accordingly? You know what I mean? So, you know, you can't run the quarterback if you're running this offense. So, you know, what's he going to, but we all we've heard about Satterfield is he wants to throw it downfield. He wants to get after it. So, he likes to throw. So maybe this will all fall into place, but um, uh, it's going to be a story to watch, you know, come spring and next fall, just sort of the the uh, hierarchy of the, the the offensive staff and the, the roles and who's doing what. And um, um, I, I, I just wonder if we'll see Rule take more of a, you know, I think more charge with the offense here now, or if if we'll get more involved. I mean, I I, I don't know if that's his style or not, but um, when you get a five star quarterback, you know everything is um, you know there's a lot of responsibility there for the coaching staff. You got to right. take care of it. 
I totally agree. Um, yeah, as it relates to the offense thing, again, I'm I'm pro not running the quarterback. I've written it many times. Because when you do it, your quarterbacks get hurt and they turn the ball over. And it, 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 it there's like a correlation there and we don't need to go back over it. The challenge becomes, um, are you committed to that, even knowing that you will score fewer points if you run your quarterback, not at all. And, you know, like at Penn State, for example, Penn State had a great team this year. They're 10 and 2. They couldn't move the ball against Ohio State or Michigan. They didn't run their quarterback. They just hired a guy from Kansas. You know what he's going to do? He's going to run the quarterback. Whether it's the five star or it's the guy behind him, they're running the quarterback because that's what James Franklin wants. Because you can't, they don't feel like they've got good enough receivers to be able to beat Michigan and Ohio State just playing, you know, pro ball. And so Nebraska has to, that's going to be the challenge. And it's right. Dylan Rail is really talented. And so hopefully what they get out of it is they're able to kind of move the football. And, you know, Bill, this is Bill Callahan. That, I mean, Bill Callahan ran a pro style offense. They didn't run the quarterback. They had to run the ball normal. You know, it, I'm not saying that I, I'm just saying that's part of the tension and we'll see how they handle it. I, I Sam, I, I don't think they're going to run the quarterback. I think that was just, it's just something they did this year. I mean, they didn't come into the the job saying they wanted to do that. They wanted to play physical and throw the ball. I think they had to do it this year because the Harburg was just limited throwing it, and he was better a runner. So and so was Sims. Sims was a runner, and yes. uh, obviously not a thrower. So yeah. uh, I think they just did that because of who they had. It was a one year deal to get them through this year, try to get to a bowl game the best they could. I don't think I don't think it's going to happen uh, going forward. I, I I just don't. I'll be surprised if it does. They'll he'll hear about it. <laughs> they will. They certainly will with Dylan. Yeah. How much do you guys think the Riola decision shapes or changes the way that Nebraska's offense will look next year? Like like say he stuck with Georgia and Kalen came and Purdy stayed. How different do you think that offense would have looked compared to what we're talking about? It might look like under Riola. Well, if McCord was here, then I think they would have tried to, you know, throw the ball. It would have looked like the offense that Tanner Lee had, you know, back in 2017. But I don't know. You know, I think, I think, um, the, I think that the 49ers thing is based as much on Carter Nelson as it is Rayola. Sure. I I think you could, you could put Kalen in there and certainly shove up Purdy, the name Purdy. I mean, you know, the I'm not saying it's like his brother, but no. I, I, I think you, you you could you could run the same offense. You just it's the I'm I'm I must just I mean the, the name Carter Nelson was as big yesterday as Rayola in some ways. He was really talking him up and what he's going to do, and he's going to be sort of like the the Debo or sounded like the or the McCaffrey of this thing. So and and that's. If you're a football player, that kind of stuff is exciting. If you're a recruit, that's what you want to hear. I don't have to play a position. I can be everything. Right. That's what kids want to do. So right. this is really smart. If you know, but you got to have the guys to pull it off. Taking a six foot ten high jump and 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 jumping over the pile at the goal line. Well, I mean, what a vision that is. I mean, it's a, a stretch the imagination. It, it's it, it's a good idea. Was his number 22 in high school, Evan? 
that sounds right. Yeah, I'm not sure. He'll, maybe he'll be 22. He won't be 22 because Gabe Irvin will keep him. Maybe he'll go to 23 or some other number. He'll get Anthony Grant's old number, and he'll he'll be 23, and Fedoni will be 24. There you go. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun to to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I this will be lots of offseason fodder about about the offense for sure. And again, like I, you know, I'm the guy that liked Mike Riley's offense. Um, but, you know, and this is similar to that or what they want to do. But, you know, there's a tension. You know, there's still, there's just always a tension um, with, like, can you got to have the receivers, got to have the whole thing. And and uh, I assume what I will say is that in two or three years' time, the, the quality of offensive line that they could have could be really, really good. Because last year's class all redshirted. And this year's class, in terms of talent, is maybe the best class they've had in a really long time since they had Nick Gates and and DJ Foster and Tanner Farmer. I mean, this is a really good class of linemen. It's been overlooked because of Dylan Rayola, but I mean, it's it's quality group. Donovan Rayola did; he was the best recruiter in this class, in my opinion. Um, I I love that because it's, and I love the Evan the whole the, the whole brick story and. I just I think it's 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 time to get those kind of guys back into the program. I'm not saying they don't have them, but the uh, the stud linemen. I mean that changes the offensive line when you can get you know a couple guys that are just you know absolute studs. And and um, how can you not like the name Bricks? I mean it's like a ton of bricks. You know we're 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 building this thing bricks by bricks. I mean you could go crazy with this thing, but I just love the, the small town. Is he's like a little legend? He's a, a a run blocking machine. I mean, it's the the possibilities are endless. But I love the, the, these are the kind of guys they always used to get that on, on signing day were, were as big a names as some of the, the quarterbacks half the time. You, you remember? Hey, they got this this lineman from so and so. You know, so um, I, I think that that's a big step. And I think. If they can put together an offensive line starting now, I think it's um, it, it's it, every bit as newsworthy as everything else. Agreed. Yeah, yep. it reminds me of you know the last class for rule was so celebrated for what it did on the defensive line, Cam Lenhart and Prince Will and Bradley Van Poppel, and you can kind of see how they were building that. I, I feel like this class has that on the offensive trenches. Like Jake Peters could be a really good <clears throat> lineman for Nebraska in two years. Grant Bricks, uh, Gibson Pyle, uh, and I think the guy that we always we forget about because he's out in Hawaii is Preston Tamua too. I mean, he's a a four star lineman who uh, could be a major player for them in two years. And so, like you 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 put them behind the scenes for a year or two, you see a veteran group coming back from Nebraska in twenty four, then you got these guys that Nebraska's already working from yes. Gunnar Gatula to Sam Sledge to you know guys that have already been impressing behind the scenes so like <clears throat> to me that's the strength of this class definitely is is that offensive line um and, and just it, it's it's remarkable that that has gone under the radar just because a lot of those guys committed early and uh, Gr bricks was an exception there but uh you can you can just kind of see the foundation coming together for sure i like to see ruquan buckley play an offensive tackle um that'll be interesting that'll be a really interesting thing to see Florida State recruited Buckley out of high school to play offensive tackle. Um, 
a couple other schools did too. Nebraska wanted him on defense. I always thought it was an odd, odder fit defensively because he's such a big guy. Uh, and uh, so it'll be really interesting to see that move. I, I, I think they're doing what they want to do on the offensive line. Like I, I think they're going in the direction they want to. The running back thing, I, I, you know, that's still a question mark. Reportedly, they're bringing in a guy from Oregon who, you know, was part of the twenty-three class. Maybe he might visit in January. I, I think that would be a good idea for them to add a transfer running back, but because you just don't know exactly how healthy those two injured guys are going to be. But, but it's, I mean, if you look at the roster. This sets up as about as robust as they've been. Obviously, they've got some players that aren't on scholarship and are on some sort of NIL thing because they're like 16 over or something, some huge number. But it's pretty robust. I mean, this looks like a team that that uh, that can be very competitive um, and is not necessarily looking around the corner and wondering what they're going to be next year. It looks like they could be pretty competitive in 24, in 25, and in 26 based on the recruiting that rule has done. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, and they're going to have to be pretty selective here into January and rule alluded to it. They're going to probably add a guy or two. You would think a receiver still, whether that's Julian Fleming, who appears to be a Penn state lean or somebody else. But I think the numbers would say that there's always somebody in the portal that can fill a need as a pass catcher. Nebraska's experienced that what four cycles in a row now. So I think you can address that. Linebacker is an interesting one. That might be the one spot in this class outside of running back that they didn't necessarily address. I think Shavers could maybe be that guy. You know, the couple other DBs that they brought in, like Roger Gradney, could be potentially moved down as their careers go along. You don't know. Uh, but that's that's kind of that other spot with Henrich and Reimer moving on. You have Mackay Bayer and Javen Wright in the middle. There's not a ton of proven depth there. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's a spot that you add somebody to, but for the most part, like you can just see the depth building up across the line. And again, I think it's, it's a big deal that for the most part, you're not pointing to any of these guys to say, this needs to be someone who, who fills a gap in 24. Like these are guys who do have the luxury, I think, to develop and be players in 25 and beyond. Good point. Good point, Evan. I wonder if this defense puts as much stress on the linebackers some as some other defenses do. I I wonder if that because it's almost like Isaac Gifford is a linebacker too. He's a mm -hmm. rover. I don't know. It, it feels like they're they're able to they they did not have, and I'm I'm still going through the games. They did not have a giant dip in production when Henrich or Reimer was off the field and Bayer or Wright had to play. There were some moments. Wright had a miss in the Wisconsin game that was painful. Uh, when Mordecai got loose, that was a painful play. But Wright also made some plays that I don't think Henrich would have made. So it felt like they were able to create some continuity uh, at that spot. And that defensive line spot's really crucial, and they're bringing basically everybody back. It's It'll be one of the, the three or four best defensive lines in the Big Ten. It really will. It's been, and what, it's been a long time since they've had that. Could say that. 2015, when they had yeah. Malik Collins and Vincent Valentine. But, but yeah, it hasn't happened very often. They had one of the five best defensive lines this year. I thought. I think they thought that, too. But any other recruiting day, any other signing day thoughts? 
I would put out that I thought it was interesting, and Rule mentioned it too, eight, eight in-state scholarship guys, and then whatever the number was, five or six legacy players. I think that's a big deal. Like it was, people always pay attention to that stuff, but I think in the last five years with the, in, in this free transfer, free agent era, like that's even more important to keep those guys around. Those are the guys that uh, don't, don't leave as easily. Those are the guys who grew up kind of knowing the culture of Nebraska football. We talked about Riola, but you know, Quinn Clark from, out of, out of Montana coming in. And like, that strikes me as a guy who's probably a little bit more committed to the program than to someone else out from the mountain time zone. So like, I think, and, and we've seen it play out this month with, with the retention that Nebraska's had and guys that have wanted to come back. Like, I think the emphasis, not just on talent and positional need, but like guys who, who like this place and are invested in this place, like it's an intangible thing, mm-hmm. but I do think, Again, the more that you can create that core in this era when 10 to 20 guys in every roster of around the country are leaving, I think that's quietly like a big deal and maybe something that wasn't necessarily an accident from the staff too. Yeah. Agreed. What would you guys grade this class if you gave it a letter grade? Oh, I don't know. My dad was the... The teacher and coach, I don't, he gave the grades. Um, <laughs> I'm always bad at grades. Um, I just like the fact that there's a lot of different, um, because, you know, I, first of all, you try to grade a class, you don't know how it's going to pan out. You, you, you kind of have to grade them two or three years down the line. But sure. um, <clears throat> I think everybody's needs are different. Um you know, and and so I I think that they're the, but the fact that they they got a a headliner at quarterback quarterback is the most important position in on any team and whether you're building or you've got you know you've got to have a guy and, the, and if you get a, a sort of a guy who who can be the the pied piper and bring other people that is just invaluable for this program right now to get other skill talent and other guys. Um, linemen whatever just more and more players and so uh in that case it's 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 a great year because they 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 i think Rayola brings them credibility it brings them a lot of stuff that that they need right now um it's it's you know one year one to year two it's it's an unbelievable uh the the, the timing is unbelievable right now so I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to grade it. I'm just going to say it was a very good year. Like you said, the, the in-state guys that you get your base, um, but you get the offensive linemen, you get the the flips. You're going into Miami. That's an incredible place to be. Um, all these years later, it's still, you know, and you're getting guys from there, and you're getting the the guys out of Texas. You've already got that figured out. Um, I, I think things are in good shape it just got to go win yeah i'd give it a good grade um ideally you would love to have a 60 percent hit rate and that would be 17 players who became starters um that's bold that nebraska hasn't been anywhere near that i don't even know what the 2020 class was four four out of whatever five out of order yeah uh, so 17 out of 28 would be a great hit rate and then you'd love to have four or five of those guys be uh 
first or second team all conference in a league like the Big Ten uh, with 18 really good teams. Being second team all conference is an accomplishment all its own. So uh, that'll be a big deal, too. So I don't know. Maybe they can get that. I think the offensive line class is strong. The quarterback class is the strongest they've had in a long time since Eric Crouch and Bobby Nuke. Um, you know, the wide receivers are fine. I think Keelan Smith will be good uh, maybe right away. Uh, linebackers will see. Corners will see. I don't, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell with the, with with that group. But I wonder, I mean, they've got a ton of them now. So part of me feels like there's going to be a lot of competition in the spring and the summer and the fall. And then some guys are just, you know, after the 2024 season, just aren't going to be here because they're going to see the writing on the walls. Um, let's get to the picks. Okay. We're doing the Bulls. If we need to, after the fact, we will do the national title game. I don't know that we will have to. Uh, Tom is up nine. So we got a we got a long list here. This is not a short list. This is the the whole thing. So this will take about five ten minutes. Um, and uh, you know I don't know that we need to go into sort of any sort of snake order. Tom's going to win this thing, and he's going to take us to the place of his choosing. Well, right? I, I, I'm I'm not there yet. We haven't won. You know we don't. Right. You know it's still the beginning of the fourth quarter. I'm holding up my four fingers. Let's. Uh, we got to close the deal. You do. All right. So I don't know. If we need to do a snake thing. We'll just, you know, people can just say what they want to say and kind of kind of go from there and we'll try to have fun. I know maybe there's a little strategy between Evan and I. See who finishes second. All right. Here we go. Utah Northwestern. First one. What bowl game? I I, I need to know the site. The site of the bowl game. Just, what, what bowl game is it? It's the Vegas bowl game. Okay. Yeah. Um, Utah. Utah. Let me let me bring up all of the names of the bowl games so I don't get any of them wrong. I want to make sure that we we get that right. Okay, Utah, Utah, Utah. The Quick Lane Bowl. Bowling Green. Minnesota. Bowling Minnesota. Bowling Green. Oh, okay. Minnesota's, Minnesota's quarterback going to be? Cole Kramer. Okay. I think they basically signed him to an NIL deal to stick around. Like, he he's, he's leaving, but he's going to get some money, so they're going to let him stay. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. The Guarantee Rate Bowl, the bowl that I thought Nebraska would be in, but isn't. Kansas, UNLV. UNLV had to be stuck into the bowl because there weren't enough big teams, big 10 teams. Guarantee Rate, KU, UNLV. KU. KU for me as well, Evan. Kansas. KU. The Military Bowl, Tulane at Virginia Tech. The Hokies are a big favorite, 12 and a half. I don't know why, but they are. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech for Evan. Yeah, I'd take Tech. I have no idea. Tulane for me. The Duke's Mayo Bowl. By the way, I get a thing of Duke's Mayo every year. It's good. I get it. Amazon Prime. 
I recommend it. North Carolina, West Virginia in Charlotte. West Virginia. West Virginia for Evan. I'm going to go with uh, the Tar Heels there. I mean, you know, home turf and all that. Yeah, Carolina. Better uniforms. Okay, the Holiday Bowl, one of my favorite bowls, obviously one of Tom's favorite bowls. Maybe maybe the Big Ten will be back in it next year. Louisville at US uh, playing USC in in uh, you know Qualcomm is it still called Qualcomm? I don't even know. No, the, uh, Qualcomm got raised. It's gone. Oh, oh it's the Aztec it's, um, Stadium or the no, it's at the uh, the baseball park. Uh, oh, Petco. Petco down down in the gas lamp. It's awesome. Yeah, it's that awesome. is cool. That's um, a great area. Yeah. Um, that's um. Who's USC playing? The Ville, Louisville. Oh boy! What did you say, Evan? Cardinals. All right. Yeah, I'll go Louisville. I don't. I don't like USC. And I'll go with Louisville too. The Texas Bowl. This is a good one. Oklahoma State versus Texas A and M. Woo! I um, Mike Elko on the sidelines. I don't know. Yeah. Old Big Twelve South. I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Gundy. I I I I, I think Elko is he's going to Syracuse. I mean he's got one foot in Syracuse. So yeah, Okie State. I will take Oklahoma State as well. The next one on the list: Rutgers, Miami, the Pinstripe Bowl. This is a Greg Schiano Bowl, basically, in Yankee Stadium. Going Rutgers. Yeah, Rutgers. Okay. Fair enough. I'm going to go with Miami there. I, uh, although their quarterback has left. So, yeah, interesting. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Next one up. The Pop-Tarts Bowl. The oh. Edible Mascot Bowl. North Carolina State and Kansas State. K-State. Hey, State, do they just are they just going to eat the mascot afterward? <laughs> yeah, they take a bite out. Yeah, it, apparently it's got an edible crust. An That's edible... really disturbing, but I can't look away. No. It's something, man. You guys like pop tarts? Uh, they're Ooh. okay. I, I want the pizza bowl, and I want the mascot to be a um, all meat lovers. <laughs> Chicken pot pie State, bowl. By the way, <laughs> I'll take NC State in that one. I'm not going to pick this. This is not one of our bowl picks, but did anybody see the picture that Tim Beck, <laughs> the Coastal Carolina coach, had with the the dance team on the beach? No. Yeah, no. Not, not his best choice there. Uh, they deleted the photo from online, but yeah, that was Tim Beck was sort of at the beach there. Yeah, not. No, not, not the best move there. Is that a, like a Larry Eustachy moment, or what was that? No, no, no. Uh, it was it was like a it was Coastal Carolina promotional material, uh, but okay. Coastal Carolina thought better of it the minute it hit Twitter, which was wise on their part. The Alamo Bowl, one of the best bowls every year, Arizona, Oklahoma. I'm sticking with Arizona. I like that coach. I like that team. I'll go Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma. 
Clemson, Kentucky, Tax Slayer, Gator Bowl, Husker Memories. This one's on Friday, December 29th for some reason. Clemson, Kentucky, Gator Bowl. Kentucky. I can't doubt Dabo. He might know, so I'm going Clemson. <laughs> okay. That's good. I like that. I'll go Clemson, too. Oregon State, Notre Dame in the Sun Bowl, one of my favorite bowls every year. The Sun Bowl, they got, man, they're going to get a great crowd for that one. They got lucky. Oregon State, Notre Dame. I'm going to take Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame. Won't lie to you. I'm rooting for Trent Bray, though. He is now the, the permanent head coach for Oregon State, and that will be his first game. Uh, so rooting for him. Memphis, Iowa State, and the Liberty Bowl. I think these two teams have played in the Liberty Bowl before. These specific two teams. I'll take Iowa State. Iowa State as well. Yeah, Cyclops. Cyclops, Cyclops. Let me have them. Missouri, Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. Oh, M-I-Z. M-I-Z. Evan. Who's Ohio State's quarterback going to be? They're Devin gonna... Brown. Devin yeah. Brown. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, Missouri. Yeah. Buckeyes. The Peach Bowl. Penn State always gets the worst, like, New Year's Six Bowl games. Mississippi, Penn State. Ole Miss. Ole Miss? I won't hear any Peach Bowl slander. That was a great time when we went down there. When, when well, he's... yeah. That's right. That game, that game was great, but a lot of them are. Penn State, I'm just saying Penn State gets these weird matchups. They don't. They played Western Michigan. They played, you know, Memphis one year. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Penn State. I'll take Penn State as well. The Music City Bowl, we had a great time there too. Auburn, Maryland. Give me Auburn. Maryland. Uh, yeah, Maryland. We're almost done. The Orange Bowl. Georgia, Florida State. Uh, I'll take Uga. Yeah, Georgia. Georgia. They are the largest favorite of all the all the bowls. Just a, a few point, just a couple points fewer than Florida State was against Nebraska in '94. Um, I, actually, I, I stand corrected. Oregon is the largest favorite. Uh, they play Liberty. Oregon. Everybody want Oregon on that one? Yeah. Yeah. Hawkeyes, volunteers. They played like a million times in bowl games. The Citrus Bowl, Iowa, Tennessee. I'm taking Iowa. Tennessee. I'm a sick man. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the Vols. You guys hear the shade that. Her parents put a Lincoln Riley. I thought that was Frost, too. It was. It was Frost in the first sentence and Lincoln Riley in the second. You know, here, here's a guy that, and, and, I, and I guess rightfully so, got, got all bent out of shape when a certain Nebraska athletic director uh, took a shot at his program. 
And now, and now he's handing out the shots. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Different guy. Well, he's feeling it. Uh, Wisconsin, LSU in the ReliaQuest Bowl. I don't even, what is that, though? Former Outback Bowl? Must be. Who's playing in this game? All these guys opted out. LSU's uh, a 10-point favorite, so apparently enough. Enough of those. I'll take games. LSU. Same. Tigers. I'll take whiskey. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Now the game's where everybody's going to play. Texas, Washington. Texas, Washington in the Sugar Bowl college football playoff. I'm going to go Washington. Washington. Okay. What do you got, Tom? Um, Texas. I'm going with Tom. I'm going to go Texas. Um, they have a really good defense. And they've played a lot of teams like Washington in the Big 12. And the last one, the big one, the granddaddy, Rose Bowl, Michigan, Alabama. A lot of people are going to watch that game. Oh, my God. I'm I'm going Bama. Whoa! I, I am, too. I think they're going to find a way. They always do. They get in and they find a way. Michigan hadn't played anybody like them in the Big Ten all year. If at Penn State, they, Penn State didn't have any speed or offense. Yeah, you're everything like that. Ohio State didn't have much. I mean, they had the receivers, but I think this is and this is Nick Saban coming around the back at the coming coming down the home stretch on the on the outside. I will take the villains, which in this case is Michigan. I'll take Michigan. So there's right. our picks. There's a lot of difference here. So things could get interesting. You, never you guys know. might rally. I think I think you're gonna rally. We're not gonna rally. We're not we both picked Creighton in that in that most recent game. We would only be seven behind, but we we blew it. So what were we thinking? I don't know what we were thinking. Hey guys, have a happy holidays. Uh, I don't know if we'll be back next week. Um, we're probably going to take next week off, and we will see you guys in uh, probably in the new year. But if we come back next week, great. But if not, happy new year and happy holidays. Thanks for listening to the Pick Six podcast. We're lucky to have you guys as listeners, and uh, we enjoy doing this. Thanks everybody. Happy Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.